Welcome to Insights and Strategies with Barbara Lang. On the program today, Barbara and her guests will discuss the topics you want to hear more about, from business leadership to community and education. It all affects our bottom line. Now, here is your host, Barbara Lang. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Insights and Strategies where we will bring you thoughtful and provoking insight on a variety of business issues that impact you on a daily basis. I am pleased to be your host, Barbara Lang, Managing Principal and CEO of Lang Strategies. We'll be tweeting during the show, so please join the conversation at Lang Strategies. Our show will focus on leadership strategies, successful business strategies, mentoring, economic impact of certain industries, regulatory impact on business with guests that have a variety of opinions. Sometimes they may be opposing opinions. Our objective, quite frankly, is to be thought-provoking and provide insights you, our listener, may not have heard before. In between our shows, you can always reach me at bblang at langstrategies.com. And you can also learn more about us at www.langstrategies.com. Last week, we had a stimulating discussion with Grover Norquist and A. Scott Bolden discussing the impact of the 2016 election on business. If you missed it, please go to our website and listen. You will be in for a real treat. So today, our show focuses on equitable communities. What is it? How do we get there? And why should the general business community care? We are delighted to have uh, as our guest today uh, two people online now, and we hope the third will join us, who have worked in this arena in the Washington area for many years. Steve Flaudet, who is the executive director of the Coalition of Nonprofit Housing and Economic Development. Angela Franco, the president and CEO of the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. And we hope that Stan Jackson will be joining us later in the show. He is the president and CEO of the Anacostia Economic Development Corporation. Their bios are on the promo for the show, reflecting their many years of experience in housing, community development, and small business development. Steve and Angela, welcome. We Thanks are delighted us, to have you on our second show. Happy to be here. To join you, Barbara. So let's begin the conversation. While the two of you, hopefully three of you, represent different constituencies with uh, a different mission, I think you all would agree that you would like to have a community that, one, fosters an environment where residents are able to live and thrive in our city, Two, where the government encourages investments in our city. Three, where small and community-based businesses are encouraged and allowed to grow and provide services to the residents. In a couple of minutes, can each of you tell me how your organization achieves this? Steve, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, first of all, the coalition is made up of 140 members um, nonprofit and for-profit, uh, as well as individual professionals who build most of the affordable housing in D.C. and also promote small business development. And I think that 
you know, D.C. is a great example of a city that is uh, challenged uh, in a very positive way. Um, we have rapid development and growth. We've gone through a several-year period where we have in excess of a 1,000 new residents moving in a month. Uh, we are an education center and a new industry center. Um, other cities, quite frankly, would be envious of the growth and development we have. But, of course, within that blessing uh, lies the, the challenge of how do we enhance affordability and actual development uh, for all of our residents in all of our communities. So in, in, in our vision, what we see is wanting a district where all residents are part of thriving, livable communities that are socially, racially, and economically just. And I think what that requires is that we govern and lead in a way that actually validates every sector's role in the work that we try to achieve. So what I mean very quickly by that is that we have to have a community that is business-friendly, um, we have to have a government that is mindful of both regulatory enhancement and in barriers to attracting businesses and sustaining businesses. And at the same time, we have to have a fortified delivery system that can produce affordable housing that create, can create both entrepreneurship and job opportunities and also support robust education so that existing residents can increase their skills, become viable employees, become business owners and others so that they can afford to stay in a city um, that is whose housing market is increasing dramatically and whose other cost of living uh, uh, conditions are also uh, uh, becoming greater. So it's about balancing uh, engagement of sectors. It's about validating every sector's role in creating that, uh, that livable community. Thank you. Angela, what about the Greater Hispanic Chamber? So um, to give a little bit of background about the Hispanic Chamber, we have been around for 40 years, and our mission is to help um, Hispanic and minority-owned businesses to grow. So that means that we work with Hispanic and a lot of minorities that are really trying to entry the, um, the, I mean, not only the workforce, but really have a business and grow their business. Mm -hmm. So the way the programs we have set in place are programs not only to educate businesses and in transitioning to in transitioning mainstream and preparing them, but also connecting with uh, possible businesses, with corporation, with corporations, with the local government, federal government, to make sure there is inclusiveness. Because it's like you have to get ready, you have to be ready as a business owner, but also there has to be openness um, from the different players to do business with minorities. So that's, that's what we do. We represent 670 members from the region. It is very, very important to work with minorities. I mean, right now, if you look at the, at the, as the amount of Hispanics that are in the region, it goes over eight that, you oh, know, oh. from different, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to uh, to take a pause for a moment because we okay. do need to take a quick break. But I want okay. to continue this conversation on the other side of the break. So stay with us as we continue our discussion with Steve Claude and Angela Franco. We'll be right back.
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Lang Strategies is the leader in providing businesses and nonprofits with insight on business development, operational excellence, political strategy, tactical planning, marketing communications, leadership management, and cultural transition services for international businesses. Each member of our team is an expert in their respective field, and each of them are dedicated to serving in the best interests of our diverse client base. Our business is to define our clients' needs and create a customized plan to exceed their goals and objectives. We compete aggressively and successfully for our clients' respect and trust. We also care deeply about the communities we serve, and our expertise in civic and grassroots campaigns serves our clients well on a variety of issues. We appreciate the faith, support, dedication, and investment of our clients and community in Lang Strategies, and we look forward to a successful and sustainable partnership. For more information or to put Lang Strategies to work for your organization, visit us on the web at langstrategies.com. That's langstrategies.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Insights and Strategies. To reach Barbara Lang or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to bboyer at langstrategies.com if you have any questions or comments about the program. Now, back to Insights and Strategies. I'm glad you stayed with us. Welcome back for our next segment. We still have a lot to cover, so let's continue the conversation on equitable communities with Angela Franco and Steve Claudet. Angela, you were making a point before I interrupted you to go to break, so why don't we continue there on the kind of um, uh, what your organization does to support those small businesses. Okay, so we have several programs um, that, that go from technical assistance, so we provide assistance one-on-one to businesses, to matchmakings that we basically connect companies that are established with uh, possible opportunities. And really our goal as an organization is to help minority-owned businesses to go mainstream and be part and be players in the economy. So... If, and, and this will be a question to both of you. We often hear uh, what the big vital role that small businesses play in America, and um, which makes you think sometimes that we don't focus more on it uh, on a national basis. But in D.C. alone, we have over 50,000 small businesses who employ over a couple hundred thousand plus people. So the question for both of you, in your view, what are the top three impediments to small business growth and development? Um, Steve? Well, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll dive in. Um, I think one is lack of capital. Uh, many small businesses um, uh, struggle with access to um, resources, to dollars, in order to be able to grow and, in some cases, even start their businesses. So there are a lot of entrepreneurs that have great ideas, 
um, that have um, the ability to provide both services and products, but they have a lack of access to capital. And one of the things that CNATD does to address that is we actually operate an online lending portal called dcsmallbizloans.com, and entrepreneurs either wanting to start a business or expand a business can actually put in uh, an online uh, loan application, and it will immediately go to five different lenders um, who will see their application simultaneously and hopefully compete for the best terms for that loan. But the other thing is I think that there um, there needs to be some regulatory reform uh, within the government um, in order to make the process of getting business permits uh, easier. Uh, we actually work with D.C. government um, uh, with a couple of agencies, most notably with the Department of Consumer and Regulatory Affairs. We're working with them on the development of a small business resource center that will actually make um, normally, when you go in to get a business permit, you have to go from one division to another division to another division. We are working with them to collapse that into one center so they can have kind of one-stop shopping uh, to get the business. So I think working with government to remove um, uh, barriers to actually getting the business license and starting, um, access to capital, and I think the other one is access to technical assistance. So I know that the Hispanic Chamber does technical assistance to small businesses. We have a, um, a website called dcsmallbizhelp.org that actually has, including the Hispanic Chamber, has um, 13 other organizations uh, in the city who provide technical assistance to small business so that you can go to one place, you can request any business assistance service that you need, and the multiple uh, providers who provide that service uh, pop up immediately. So I think it's, it's access to information. Um, it is regulatory relief from uh, oppressive processes that the government manages, um, and it's access to capital. Those are the three things that I would say are among the biggest challenges that businesses face. Angela, do thank you. Uh, Angela, do you agree, or do you have some others that um, uh, other challenges or impediments that you would put on that list? Yeah, I mean, I fully agree with him. I, I, there is two. I mean, one more thing that I want to mention, and I really want to reiterate one of the things that Steve said. So, the technical assistance piece is critical, especially for mm -hmm. startups, because one of the, the the things that I always see is that when, when people want to start a business, it's important to have clarity in what's the business plan. What is your business model? What do you really want to accomplish? How is the money going to come in? That is critical, and that's really with the technical assistance piece. I see for the Hispanic community being first generation, one of the challenges we face is sometimes the lack of knowledge in legislation. Besides the challenges that Steve was talking about, that you know, there's a lot of uh, procedures and maybe licenses that you have to get and, you know, things that you have to do, is also an additional layer that we have to take more time to understand the law and the consequences, how to deal mm -hmm. with employees. I mean, it's a whole different um, ball game for people that are first generation. Right. No, I, I absolutely understand. Switch a topic a, a bit, but, but very related to what we're talking about. And Steve, I'm going to turn to you. We hear the term thrown around, and we did it this morning, on equitable communities. And so I'd like you to describe for our listening audience <clears throat> exactly what that means to you. Well, equitable communities um, means that a city 
grows, develops, uh, it, it increases the value of its housing uh, market, um, you know, upgrades its commercial corridors, that there is robust development. But in, in having that development, it is not creating a, a gap between lower and moderate income people and their ability to afford to stay in that city. Every city in America and probably around the world that has gone through robust development, um, there are always stories. You can read them in the Washington Post periodically um, of how third and fourth generation Washingtonians have been displaced, how minorities have not participated fully in the either renaissance or the continued development that a city uh, may have. So equitable communities means that we grow and develop, but we invest intentionally in strategies that will enhance affordability um, for the continuum of residents that in. You know, the challenge that cities have when they go through great development is that they become a city for the very rich or the very poor. The poor get public subsidy and are allowed some affordability support. And the rich, of course, can afford it on their own. If we don't have strategies for that middle-income population so that they can afford the increased housing, so that they can have access to education, so that they can live in viable neighborhoods, um, they will be forced out of the city, and all of a sudden we'll be looking at a city whose demographics are disturbing. And we, of course, so, want to avoid that. So we promote so Steve, equitable how, communities. So, Steve, how do you achieve that? How, how do you, uh, if the vision, and, and maybe we even go into uh, um, kind of a related question that I have, is because CNHED has long been known as the organization focused on affordable housing. Yet economic development has always been a part of your mission. Is right. the, the term equitable communities uh, the attempt to marry the two and have this real robust um, um, uh, focus on, on equitable communities and economic development uh, for the city? Absolutely, and I could hug you for asking that question that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> you it, see, it, I know a little bit about your organization, right? <laughs> just a little bit, Barbara, just a little bit. <laughs> it is a matter, it is a matter, and I, I love the way you teed up the question. It is a matter of intentionality, and, um, and it is a matter of investment. And so it is intentional investment in strategies that take care um, of, of that middle population, and in many cases lower. So you do marry housing and economic development, but there's a little part of the process that precedes that, and that is you have to build awareness. Investing in equitable communities requires political will. City leaders have the choice of deciding that they could let market forces take over, and whoever remains after those forces have um, occurred, um, then that is what makes us a world-class city. So you have to build political will, but you do have to marry housing's uh, investments um, with economic development opportunity and entrepreneurship support, because if you really look into the research about developing cities, what you will see is that most of the growth industries do not produce wages that will allow people to afford the cost of living in the city, and that the strategy for many will be attached to community economic development strategies, entrepreneurship strategies, and small business strategies. So you're right on point. It takes that marriage of industries um, that develop a city 
both in terms of physical uh, development, but also investment in the human capital that is the population of the city. Hmm. Thank, thank you uh, so much. I understand that Stan Jackson has joined the conversation. Are you on, Stan? I'm here. Thank you. Well, good morning or good afternoon now. And as I introduced you before uh, to our listening audience, Stan is the president and CEO of the Anacostia Economic Development Corporation. And we are delighted to have you a part of this conversation today as well. Well, look, it's, it's certainly my pleasure. And I think it's, uh, it's a very timely conversation. One of the things that, that I would like to just uh, opine uh, on... Uh, in response to, uh, I'll just adding on to my colleague's comment was that one of the things that I think we, we, we have to appreciate is that, uh, part of the narrative about housing and economic development really has to be sort of changed because when you're talking about sustainability, the ability to really sustain the impact of what economic development is all about, You've got to have rooftops. You've got to have the capacity of housing at varying uh, levels of affordability to certainly make uh, this whole notion of, of economic development far more sustainable, and particularly as you began to explore what does urbanism look like in the 21st century, uh, we have to uh, look at things far more holistically, and I think part of the value proposition has to be the relationship of understanding what sustains economic transformation or economic development. And part of that sustainability is to have the rooftop with the capacity to help support uh, this economic transformation. So I think your, your point and, and this discussion is very timely and very relevant but like innovation has really impacted all sectors of our our society now. Innovation is an understanding the relationship between uh, housing and economic development is undisputable tied. Uh, if we're talking about sustaining the impact of what economic transformation does uh, to communities and neighborhoods. Well, I, I, uh, those are very good points, and I want to delve a little bit more into that, particularly, Stan, you're going to get the first question on the other side of the break, but we do have to pay the bills, and so it's time for a break right now. We will be right back. making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Lang Strategies is the leader in providing businesses and nonprofits with insight on business development, operational excellence, political strategy, tactical planning, marketing communications, leadership management, and cultural transition services for international businesses. Each member of our team is an expert in their respective field, and each of them are dedicated to serving in the best interests of our diverse client base. 
our business is to define our clients' needs and create a customized plan to exceed their goals and objectives. We compete aggressively and successfully for our clients' respect and trust. We also care deeply about the communities we serve, and our expertise in civic and grassroots campaigns serves our clients well on a variety of issues. We appreciate the faith, support, dedication, and investment of our clients and community in Lang Strategies, and we look forward to a successful and sustainable partnership. For more information or to put Lang Strategies to work for your organization, visit us on the web at langstrategies.com that's langstrategies.com voice america business network the bottom line in business you are listening to insights and strategies to reach barbara lang or her guest today Please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to bboyer at langstrategies.com if you have any questions or comments about the program. Now, back to Insights and Strategies. Welcome back. We want to continue this exciting discussion on equitable communities with our guest, Dan Jackson, Angela Franco, and Steve Glaudet. Uh, before the break, uh, Stan uh, was reiterating some of the, the, the comments that Steve uh, Glaudet had talked about and how do you build this equitable community. And so my question for you, Stan, now is your organization represents a part of this great city East Washington that has been considered underserved for a number of years, yet East Washington now has been on the move and on the rebound uh, over the past few years, perhaps not as fast as many of the residents would like to see it, but nevertheless, things are moving forward. What, in your estimation, is the catalyst for, uh, for that rebound? Well, I, I think that there's a couple of things here that are critical drivers in this uh, scenario. One is that, obviously, the center core of our city is so built out, you really have no option but to begin to look at what the impact of the outer rims can contribute to the vibrancy of this amazing city. But more importantly, I think what uh, has been sort of an unappreciated consideration is that uh, in the east end of our city, we have some amazing assets and resources that have been so underutilized and under purpose in terms of its contributing value to the vibrancy of this city. Uh, one in particular is the waterway. We've not really optimized the value of what a waterway does to any major uh, city or municipality in terms of its contributing value not only the economics, but the quality of life uh, from the, the maritime experience of our waterways. Uh, also, and when you look at transportation-oriented development opportunities, Barbara, you have seven um, metros in the east end of our city between the Ward 7 and Ward 8 that are all undeveloped. And one of the metros is one of the top three in ridership, both by tire and rail. So when you begin to look at the uniqueness of this opportunity, it, 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 it just screams to 
the appreciation that we have in this part of our of the city uh, asset that could be so strategically connected to the vibrancy of this transformation and and also I think uh, a driver is demand uh, you know we're still very fortunate because we are a jurisdiction that is in in demand we're still getting population moving to our borders here at a rate of almost a thousand a month uh, we're still one of the top jurisdictions for both national and foreign investments. Uh, so we have to leverage these attributes in terms of how do we optimize that value. And doing that, doing it with lessons that we've learned from development throughout our city about why it must be inclusive, why it must be holistic, why the, the impact of what we do must circulate and not simply accumulate uh, into the hands of a few if the goal here is to sustain and expand uh, the value of what these assets can do to contribute to the vibrancy of our city, but not only that, but contribute to the quality of life uh, of the residents that are here well, and residents that we want to track. Yeah, and I, and that's why, you know, jumping in here a little bit, Barbara, that's why I say it's an issue of political will. Um, if we're honest, um, there is always a uh, a way to develop um, that can make more money, that can, you know, housing can always be sold at a higher cost. Um, store leases can always be given at a higher cost. Opportunities can always be sold higher um, than we need to in order to provide equitable community opportunities for different residents. So it has to be a matter of political will. It really comes down to the question of what kind of city do we want to have? Um, we can have a city where we go from, uh, a thousand new residents a month to two thousand new residents a month. Um, but what's going to happen to third and fourth and fifth generation Washingtonians? We can have a city where the racial composition slides in a direction that when we look up one day, we realize that we don't have much diversity in the city. Um, and so it does come down to political will, but it also comes down to solutions. So, so you know, so you, Steve, you can, let let me interrupt. Have we all determined what kind of city we really want to have? No. I mean, I want to, I, to, to give my, my two cents now because I, I didn't grow up in D.C. and I've been here for, for 14 years and I've seen the change that the city has had in the last, like, 10 years. Um, but going to your point, Barbara, I think that that has been one of the challenges, and I don't think it's only the challenge of Washington, D.C., but many other places, is where do we want to go? Who do we want to be? In the future, you know, um, we're, we're, what do we stand for? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and Barbara, to your question, um, I think that the city, uh, that the district four is in the middle of, of making that decision. You know, if you look at what the mayor did when she ran for election, she committed to put a hundred thousand dollars in the house, a hundred million dollars in the housing okay. production trust fund each of her four years for her first term. That is a substantial investment. That trust fund leads the nation per capita in terms of investment in affordable housing. Uh, but Can I ask you a question be... on that? Mm -hmm. So we got the money, and, and I think everybody would agree that it's really, quite frankly, a drop in the bucket on what's actually needed. 
uh, around affordable housing. But in the past few years, um, many groups, or you led the charge, have advocated for those dollars. Uh, my concern is that it's not all been used. And so my question would be, what's the problem? And then what do we need to do to remove the obstacles such that all the dollars are used effectively for the citizens, the residents of the District of Columbia? It's a great question, and there's actually a greater answer. So we are moving in the right direction in terms of utilizing the dollars, not just in terms of the dollar amount that's being um, allocated to projects, but actually in terms of who those projects are serving. So um, uh, two years ago, only $42 million uh, uh, of $80 million that was allocated um, actually uh, got to, to closing projects. This year already, um, $83 million has been allocated, and there's a, a current proposal on the street, and once those awards are done, we will go well over $100 million in one fiscal year. So we, we're literally going from $42 million two years ago to over $100 million. The challenge was issued by the city council um, to be able to get the money out the door, the challenge was issued to the field to have the capacity to actually lease up projects quicker. And both the internal challenge by the administration to move the money and the external challenge by the field to build the housing is being met. So we're, we're proving that the investments that the city leaders have made is being met. And I think that trend will continue. And I think that in another year or two, we will not be sitting around talking about money sitting instead of going out the door. Well, you know, I never no. like to leave money on the table or, or be on track no, to, uh, to spend that money in this fiscal year since, uh, I guess, the fiscal year is up uh, September 30, right? That's correct. So yes, we, are, yes. uh, we are on track to do that. Yes, we are on track. You know, Barbara, just, just to add to that, one of the challenges that I think is also beginning to manifest is, is, to your point, as we look at the analytics, is that the the magnitude of the challenge is is far greater than I think uh, a, a, a lot of people appreciate it in terms of what we're working with and against. Uh, at the same time, uh, while this amazing uh, effort is taking place uh, at the city level, what is also occurring concurrent with that is market demand. Uh, as, as you know, we are losing uh, the availability to uh, affordable products. I think we've lost something in the area of 50% of what used to be affordable just five years ago in terms of the availability of products. And that's also driven, once again, by market demand. So part of, the, part of our challenge is that we are racing against time and we are racing against a market that's demanding uh, products and that's competing for the availability of products. So I think the city is doing an amazing job with this commitment of the $100 million, but mm -hmm. the challenge continues to be the rapidity of how quickly we can impact the changes that are occurring in markets throughout our city. Right. A excellent. All excellent points. Angela, um, I uh, and we may have to go to break before you complete this answer, so don't uh, 
uh, uh, don't be concerned, we'll have more time on the, on the other end. But is housing and the affordable housing um, an issue for the constituency that you represent? And then I want to talk a little bit more about, uh, about some of the things that the Hispanic Chamber is doing as well. For our community, is a big challenge and it's a big concern as well. And we have seen uh, how many Hispanics are moving outside the district, and we have been able to measure that through the nonprofits they use. Like when they go to Mary Center, they go to La Clinica del Pueblo, they have seen how people are moving outside the district. So it's a, it's a big concern for our community as well. It applies yeah. to everybody. These are the kind of situations where we are all in the same place. And that's mm -hmm. why we need to work together as a community. And being yeah. inclusive and really taking everybody into consideration is critical. And if there is available housing, it is incredibly expensive. And uh, my friend that represents East Washington there, Stan, the, uh, he's got the available land uh, on, on his part of the city. So it is uh, a challenge that we all have to work together uh, to solve. We're going to go into break. I think that uh, Steve Gladey is going to leave us for the last segment. It'll just be yep. Angela uh, and Stan, uh, but we do yep. have to continue to pay the bills. And so we're going to take a break and we will be right back. Steve, thank you so much for being with us. All right. Thank you, Barbara, for having us. Thank you so much. Bye, Steve. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Lang Strategies is the leader in providing businesses and nonprofits with insight on business development, operational excellence, political strategy, tactical planning, marketing communications, leadership management, and cultural transition services for international businesses. Each member of our team is an expert in their respective field, and each of them are dedicated to serving in the best interests of our diverse client base. Our business is to define our clients' needs and create a customized plan to exceed their goals and objectives. We compete aggressively and successfully for our clients' respect and trust. We also care deeply about the communities we serve, and our expertise in civic and grassroots campaigns serves our clients well on a variety of issues. We appreciate the faith, support, dedication, and investment of our clients and community in Lang Strategies, and we look forward to a successful and sustainable partnership. For more information or to put Lang Strategies to work for your organization, visit us on the web at langstrategies.com that's langstrategies.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you are listening to insights and strategies to reach barbara lang or her guest today please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to bboyer at langstrategies.com if you have any questions or comments about the program. Now, back to Insights and Strategies. 
Well, let's continue this uh, this exciting discussion for the last segment of our show on equitable communities. And our two remaining guests, Dan Jackson and Angela Franco. And Angela, before the, the break, we started to talk a little bit about uh, the Hispanic perspective on this. And we were talking about housing. And I'd like to shift a little bit to some of the small business work that you're doing, and particularly the work that you are doing uh, with Latin America and, and Latin America's impact on the economy here. And I know you've had one or two trade missions already uh, this year, but maybe this is the time you can talk a little bit about how that is impacting our economy. We had um, Hispanic businesses grew 33%. And the largest growth was here. It was here in the District of Columbia. Um, For our region, Barbara, most of our um, Hispanic community is first generation. And when you read anything related to trade, what you realize is that trade happens because of that reason. Because, you know, a first generation person knows what they can sell there, what they can sell here, and that's how trade starts. It's that simple. So for us, being in the District of Columbia, having the embassies here, having the commercial attaches here, it was just a natural thing to do to start connecting with our roots and see what, what needs there were that we could support, especially when we talk about small businesses, because as we all know, I mean, large businesses may have access to attorneys, have access to a lot of information, but small businesses are really who we want to help and that people that want to start and what start doing trade. So we started connecting with the commercial attaches here in the region. We host bi-monthly meetings where we talk about opportunities here, you know, and how we can connect businesses. And uh, we started um, an international initiative a year and a half ago. We did our first mission with the mayor of the District of Columbia to Cuba at the end of February. Uh, we're going to go back to Cuba at the end of June for the industry fair, and we're putting another mission together um, to Colombia by the end of September. So little by little, that's how trade happens, and we want to help, like like they used to tell me in banking, one business at a time. Um, I think that the economy is just going international, and eventually, you know, we're just going to be uh, with communications and computers. That's really what where, where we are, um, where we think the um, the business community is heading. Excellent. So is your organization um, helping people be prepared to do business internationally? Because that is a huge problem that uh, we might be fairly successful here in the States or here in Washington, but but we go to other other, uh, countries and we're not quite ready to do that. And so is the Greater Hispanic Chamber helping with that kind of technical assistance? We are not providing that technical assistance per se, but if there is a company, but we are doing, I mean, what we do most is connecting them with punctual opportunities in different countries. So I talk to a couple of business at least, at least every week to talk about, okay, where do you want to go? What service do you want to provide? And generally speaking, we connect them with somebody there that can help them with that. Um, and we also here, uh, we do training here for comp- international companies that want to open doors here um, because we're based here. So 
So that's kind of our um, responsibility is just really to help them and understand how to do business here. And uh, if any anybody wants to do business internationally, we'll connect them with the commercial office and with the embassy. Well, that's that's terrific. Wow. We're going to do a um, a segment strictly on international uh, business and international business development. Uh, I think it's the first week in June, so we will uh, talk more about um, how to do that because we want to make sure that we're bringing trade into our our country and into this region. But we also want to make sure that our businesses are very prepared to do businesses in other countries. Absolutely. If, and I think it's important to think about it. You know, oh, absolutely. A lot of people think to do business here, but not a lot of our companies here are thinking, you know, maybe that's a business opportunity. And I so, believe Latin America is a, great, uh, is a great place to do business. Oh, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you know Barb, if, if I can just, just make a comment, I think that's, that's such a timely issue. You know, and this is such a timely conversation. Yesterday, uh, uh, we hosted uh, uh, the Meridian International. We have uh, uh, provided uh, symposiums uh, uh, with both Meridian International and the State Department over the last year for about uh, seven uh, visiting countries around the whole theme of best practices uh, for entrepreneurship. So uh, to my colleague's point, uh, we have realized that that's, an opportunity that certainly needs to be uh, nurtured, and, and we have been providing small business uh, development and technical assistance uh, for a number of years, and we are now moving into the international market. I think if you uh, talk to the representative there, we had about uh, uh, 15 representatives from the Radio International uh, here at our office, and we took them on various tours and introduced them to small business that we have incubated and started. But more importantly, we're now doing B2B relationships with uh, international groups. I think to my colleague's point, what we've realized that technology has created such a touch point worldwide that we can now begin to expand our reach and our borders we're all connected. Businesses. Just yeah, like uh, Absolutely. that's been here from seven different countries uh, mm-hmm. visiting us here right in the east end of our city at Anacostia, uh, we have now realized that there is also a demand to reverse that because we have small businesses who want to begin to touch international markets with their wares. So we have been absolutely doing exactly what my colleague is talking about. And so we're, we're sort of right under the radar doing a lot of amazing things uh, for small businesses. And, and we've been fortunate, Barbara. We've won about six national awards for what we do from a technical support and assistance uh, standpoint for small emerging businesses. So my, my colleague is right on point in understanding that there is a need to look at how we address uh, the expansion of the touch points of our small business that are domestic that wants to go international. Well, I mm-hmm. think that, uh, Stan, I'm bringing my new Italian partners to see you in about another week yeah, or so. Yeah. <laughs> to, so <laughs> it's timely, uh, and uh, we'll be over uh, in East Washington with the Italians uh, uh, in, a, in about mm-hmm. a week. So to, to explore opportunities 
for some of the European businesses uh, east of the river. So we uh, we look Great. forward uh, to that. Um, Great. I got one minute uh, uh, of a question. In fact, of what it will require a one minute response. <clears throat> if uh, each of you take a particular community in Washington, just pick one, Fort DuPont, Congress Heights, Shepherd Park, wherever, and you perceive this to be an equitable community, how would you describe it to someone in one sentence? What does that have? Um, Stan, do you want to go first on this? Because we, we're, we're getting ready I'll for close. Uh, a community that has experienced inclusivity and intentionality in terms of how economic transformation and investments are made so that the impact of those economic investments uh, benefit a wide and diverse uh, uh, segment of our community, and our community benefits okay. uh, from uh, the impact of that. Angela, quickly? Well, for me, it would be um, a community where they look at the big picture and they set up programs to give opportunities to all. Very good. Thank you. Well, we have to leave it there. Thank you all for joining us today. Equitable Communities and Why Business Should Care is an extremely important topic. And I was so, I've been so pleased to share the airways with Steve Glauday, Angela Franco, and Stan Jackson. Thank you all for the work that you do every day. Let's keep this Thank conversation you. going off the air as well. Please follow me on Twitter at Lang Strategies or email me at bblang at langstrategies.com and visit our website at www.langstrategies.com. I will be a panelist on Con Resnick's Executive Women's Forum on Women and Negotiation on May 24th. We'd love to have you join us if you're in the area. Just go to conresnick.com and look up upcoming events to register. Please remember... People are divided in three groups. Some people make things happen. Some people watch things happen. Other people wonder what happened. Which group are you? You have been listening to Insights and Strategies. I am your host, Barbara Lang, Managing Principal and CEO at Lang Strategies here in the nation's capital. We hope you will join us next week for the show when we will discuss the business of sports and its economic impact to a community. Thank you. Good day. Thank you for tuning in this week to Insights and Strategies. Remember to join your host, Barbara Lang, each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.